1: So, 15 of My Hockey, year, Hockey. This is Bernie John with co-host Neil O'Dean. And unfortunately, this is our last episode of our inaugural season, and it's been great. And uh, what a way to finish. We've got Matt Blanc the head coach of 18U Selects and Tier 1
2: National Champions. Uh, Neil, how are you? Hey, uh, doing very well. Uh, Bernie, I appreciate you making it. Um, I know it's the middle of the playoffs for you. Uh, very busy time. But uh, it is that time and uh obviously uh you know we've uh seen a lot of champions here crowned recently um and very excited, like you said, to talk to matt plant who uh who just you know is just off winning uh his first national championship with selects academy, so pretty exciting time of the year, yeah, real good for him, real good for him, along those lines uh again u s a hockey and um Ontario have crowned a number of champions over the last couple weeks since our last episode, so I think it's only appropriate this time of year to uh, give a little shout-out to everyone taking home some hardware.
1: Yeah, we've got the uh, USA Girls, for one, at the 14U, the uh, Minnesota Green Giants, at, uh, at the 16U, the Chicago Mission, and at the 18U, the Shattuck St. Mary's. So congratulations to all the Tier 1 girl teams.
2: On the Tier 2 girl side, um, at 14U, we have the North Shore Vipers, 13U team. At 16U, we've got uh, the Shoreline Sharks from Connecticut. And at 18U, uh, the East Coast Wizards. Uh, so, again, congratulations to those uh, Tier 2 winners. And
1: then we've got the USA Boys Tier 1, and uh, we've got the 14-year level. We've got Compure At the uh, 15-year, the Buffalo Junior Sabres. At the 16-year, the Chicago Mission. And again, at the 18-year, we'll speak to the head coach, the Select Academy, so congratulations to those teams.
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, USA Boys Tier 2, and uh, if you're not familiar, they, they actually do a 3A, a 2A, and a 1A champs at the uh, 14, 16, and 18 level. So starting off at 14U, at 3A, the South Hill Panthers out of the Pittsburgh metro area won the 3A national championship. Uh, 2A was the Maine Moose, and 1A was the Atlanta Fire. At 16U, 3A is the St. Lawrence Thunder out of New York. 2A, the, Atlantic, the Atlanta Phoenix and 1A is Team South Dakota. At 18U, um, 3A, we have Team Copper Country out of the uh, UP of Michigan. Um, the 2A champ is the Maine Moose. And 1A, the Delaware Ducks. So con- congrats to um, all nine boys Tier 2 champions.
1: And then we, we had a little bit north of the border here. We've got the Ontario Provincial Girls Double A the Peewee AA, we've got the Durham West Lightning. At the Bantam AA, the Burlington Barracudas. At the Midget AA, the Brampton Candidates. And at the Intermediate AA, the Toronto
2: Arrows. So congrats to all those girls teams. And switching over to the boys' side, um, at Adam AAA, we have the Toronto Junior Canadians. Peewee AAA, the Sun County Panthers. Bantam AAA... The Don Mills Flyers. Um, at minor midget AAA, the OHL Cup was won by the Toronto Junior Canadians. And the midget AAA champs were the Toronto Nationals. Uh, just transitioning briefly, the Toronto Nats and uh, midget major AAA team and the Toronto Arrows intermediate double-A teams um, will basically have qualified for uh, nationals, uh, Canadian nationals. I believe on the boy side, it's the TELUS Cup that should take place in the next couple weeks. Um, on the girl side, I believe it's the RBC Cup, if I'm not mistaken. Um, again, I think those happen near the end of April, um, where uh, basically... Uh, I think it's five or six teams from around Canada, um, the, the regional winners end up meeting for national championships. So if um, you get a chance, look up the RBC or, or TELUS Cups and keep an eye out for the Canadian uh, national champions.
1: Well, congrats to all those teams. But uh, now looking at the big boys, a little bit of NHL playoff hockey. And uh, thoughts so far, Neil? What do you think?
2: Well, um a couple thoughts. Um, one, I, I'd say the Winnipeg Jets just absolutely dominated Minnesota, um, and it, the first two games up in Winnipeg, and then came around and, and Minnesota handed it to them quite well down in Minnesota. So I wanted to say the most impressive team I thought was Winnipeg through the first two games, but they they kind of um, came back to reality Boston also absolutely dominated early Las Vegas is up 3-0 they I don't know that they've dominated LA but I actually think LA was a sleeper team by many people to do really well in the playoffs and um, Vegas is up 3-0 on LA so those are the three that come to mind not to mention you could argue um, a heck of a lot of goals in the Pittsburgh Flyers series too
1: yeah, I think so too. I think uh, you know, looking at Boston, they look pretty dominating. Um, although Toronto's one-one now, we'll, we'll see where that goes. As far as the Winnipeg, Minnesota, I'll give Winnipeg a pass just for the fact that the, the, the weather up there held Winnipeg from getting in a day
2: early, which would help, and they had to fly day out. But that, that, that's what, a, that's a good what, point. The, no, I was just going to say that absolutely had to have some impact. I never heard them use it as an excuse but yeah uh, but at the same time that that whole weather situation uh, did, did not help them and maybe you know that can get winnipeg back to to playing dominating hockey i just they physically dominated minnesota up in winnipeg and sometimes you don't you know sometimes that doesn't carry over but um if winnipeg can get back on that horse um i i just thought their size was was absolutely, like I said, dominating of Minnesota. So, anyway,
1: sorry to interrupt. No, that's fine. And then I, I know the Vegas, L.A., I think, you know, a lot of people talk about L.A. possibly. When I look at them, I don't like their depth. When I really get down and look, their depth hasn't been as good as what it needs to be. And uh, You know, but I'll say they they haven't looked too bad. It's just Vegas has played the right way, played simpler, played faster. And Mark Andre Fleury has outdone Jonathan Quick, and uh, I think you can see that too in the Blue Jackets series with Washington. I think Washington would easily be up two nothing, and uh, if it has not for Crosby right now, it's it's probably that way. And then it's funny you look at the Pittsburgh Philadelphia, and it's nowhere near a goaltending battle. We're letting him talk. <laughs> <laughs> He's on there? Uh, you know, it's funny, but you know when you've got the best player in the world with Crosby, he can uh, he can really dominate
2: well i think some people would still like to debate that but uh, when you when you talk about total package i'm still I'm still a believer that that he brings the whole thing and um you know they obviously had a, a game where they didn't bring it all but uh Pittsburgh has looked like they definitely have a chance to to uh try a three repeat um I, it it it's interesting i i'm I'm really struggling with the Washington thing are they ever at some point in time going to live up to their potential? Um, and, and I'm not sure, so sure they haven't outplayed in some ways, um, the blue jackets, but I think you correctly characterized it as uh Bavosky, uh, um, basically outplaying the goaltenders from Washington. Since I did uh, a little bit of a goaltender change there. And, um, I don't know what the plan is long term in terms of their goaltenders, but uh, it, you know I think Washington can be a great team. They just have not ever seemed to be able to put it together in the playoffs. So I I, I don't. It's a mystery. I still don't understand.
1: Yeah, it just shows you the importance of goaltending with Kibrowski, and then you know the Capitals have Holtby, who's been their guy for years, and he just had a bad last two months or so, and they put, a, you know, they put the other guy in, and all of a sudden he's never really started a playoff and had the birding on his shoulders, and he doesn't fare well as well as he can. And then you look at uh, even on the New Jersey side. They lose two, and, you know, Kincaid's not the guy. Uh, he's the same way, just new, and they've got Corey Schneider waiting in the background who hasn't won in the new year, and he goes in, and they finally get a win. So, you know, you got to have goal planning. It's got to come at the right time, and you have to have – little luck at times, but you have to make sure you're you're doing things the right way, and uh, and that's why you see teams like Vegas up to up three They play the right way, and you look at even San Jose, they're up as well, and, and they're playing the right way and doing the right things.
2: Yeah, actually, it's probably a a disservice to San Jose, not to mention, um, I they they absolutely dominated in Game Three, and uh, I, I. Anaheim's a little mystery to me too. I thought Anaheim might actually have the, from my perspective, I thought I would have picked them to win that series. I think, I, um gets some of the experience of, you know, of, and I know they're missing Cam I think camp followers out, if I'm not mistaken, but I thought their experience might come through and I thought San Jose might be a little bit too young. Um, and I guess I just completely missed that.
1: Yeah, it's it's been a it's been a an up and down. Is I think I looked at uh, something last night, or they promoted something where the average goal in the playoffs is up around six, and that's a lot, and that's good. That's good for hockey because you know you're used to these two one games, but it's nice to see some scoring, even if it's five four and missing that. It, it keeps the average fan at home probably watching a little more because a little more excitement throughout the game, but. Uh, I think what Miller really makes it exciting when it comes time to playoff hockey is the physicality and the way that the refs let it go a little bit. And The Western Conference has always been known to be a little bit more than the Eastern Conference, and obviously we've had some suspension. So, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on the physicality so far?
2: Um, yeah. <laughs> In the West, it's been impressive. I, I, I actually – it's interesting you ask that question because I have this new theory that I'm working on, And, and don't know if it holds any water at all. But could, could the West problem be that they're so much more physical than the East that they beat each other up in, in the, you know, the first three series they play. So by the time they get to the championship series, um, a a team like Pittsburgh, which I don't consider the most physical team out there by any stretch of the imagination, um, they're, they're fresher an East team might be fresher than a West team, even though maybe not better, but um, I don't know. Thoughts on that?
1: I, I agree. I mean, it's, uh, it does take a toll on you. I you know these guys are athletes, but uh, even with us, and as you go on further in the playoffs, uh, there's less practice, more about just making sure guys are healthy and able to play the games at least, and, you know, it's, uh, I think Wayne Gretzky said it best when they lost their first, uh, Stanley Cup finals to the Islanders. And he said, we're walking out and nothing, no pain, anything. And we thought the Islanders would be celebrating, but there they are sitting in their rooms full of ice bags and, uh, and basking in pain. But they realize what the pain is. It's, it's glory at the end of it. And then they, that changed their mentality going forward. And, you know, that's, uh, that's part of it. But it's been interesting and, uh, you know, I think you see some of the suspensions where I question one of them. The other one I I like. Uh the codgery one, I could even live with five games. I think he went out of his way and the guy's in the vulnerable position and uh I don't think Bobby should have got suspended. I just think that's uh a hockey play that ended up bad a little bit, shoulder to the chin and I don't think he set out to hit him and but it is what it is.
2: Yeah, I I I I don't really have a problem with either one. Um, I, I get your point on why you thought Kadri maybe should have gotten a, a couple more games. Um, I, I again, I'm okay with both. Um, generally speaking, I think you, you commented earlier about um, the refs letting some of the physicality go. Um, there definitely have been a few fisticuffs. cuffs, um, and uh, I guess. I'm pretty supportive of the way the refs have called it so far in terms of allowing the physicality, um, the suspensions. Um, I think the league, I think the league got it fairly, you know, did a fairly good job. Uh, again, I get your perspective on both of them, but, but, um, I think the consensus was, was probably that, that it was appropriate. Um, so from my perspective, um, I think the league's doing as much as they can to make it not a big issue. And uh, yeah. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I think so, too. I think
2: it's, it's,
1: you know, I think had it been the record season, Kajri's probably looking at five five games just due to the fact that playoffs, they, they they seem to be a little lighter because they know how important the games are. I'm sure, he, I'm sure he's been talked to by, the, by Lou Lamarillo and by, Babcock, as far as how important he is, and you know, those are things he can't do. Um, but I'll tell you one thing I'd rather see a guy like uh, Marshawn get suspended for the licking, the kissing, whatever you want to call that. But I guess I'm a little old school, but to me, that's a disgrace to the game. I don't care if it's getting under your skin. Back in the day, a guy does that, he's gonna get his feet punched in, and it won't be Now, you do that, and the guy that does the punching gets suspended. Where you know, and, and it's sad. I, sometimes when I watch Marshawn, the stuff he does, he's such a good hockey player, and if he's played and get the little things. Not, I think you can play on the edge, but those other little things, just get him out of here. Just play and play on the edge. Play the way he's supposed to play because he's, he's fun to watch, to be honest with you. It's when it, the extra stuff comes out from him. Well,
2: You know what? You say that. There are some of the biggest characters in the game of hockey, if you will. Like Subban is kind of a character for for his mouth and for some of the things that happens on the ice. But for the most part, and, and maybe I went to a different controversial guy, but but there's nothing wrong with having a little bit of a personality on the ice and and doing some things. I agree. Marshawn definitely tends to to go in a direction that is not accepted in hockey circles, if that's the right way of saying it. Um, where other guys um they're almost they're they're almost liked because of the kind of their antics, but with, but but it's more part of the game, like a, a more uh, accepted part of the game. Is that maybe the right way of saying it? Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Like, I if he wanted to chirp
1: guys getting guys faces low, but I'd be fine with that. But when you start doing the, the kissing or licking, whatever he's been doing, <laughs> that was you know that's that's another yeah. level you know, it's almost uh it's almost like the Lance Stevenson blowing. Now that's fine. You want to blow in a guy's ear, he's not touching him with his tongue or his mouth or whatever, but that's that's fine. there's an unwritten rule I guess in hockey where, you know, it's the same as when you get in a fight and then all of a sudden you find out a guy bit bit a guy or did something. Like really no, if you if a guy's got his fingers in your mouth and you jam them in there, yeah, then I'm gonna bite down on them to get him out of my mouth, but I'm gonna go out of my way to bite a guy or do other he thinks. But no, I, I like the characters. I know there's some old school people that don't like it. I like I like a guy like Doubt who's always talking up a game and doing stuff and I think that's good for the game. It's good for all, all sports and especially
2: the way things are now. Yeah, agreed. Hey, uh so we've been talking about it's our last show of the year. Um, all we can do at this point is predict. Do you have any thoughts based on who stepped up for the playoffs, although sometimes that's a fleeting step up and not a long-term. Um, thoughts on who you think might take it? Well,
1: I've I got uh, three possibilities, and the reason i got three is I think out of the East, I think Boston will come out of the East. I really think they're, they're too good. I think out of the West, I'm really after watching some of these games, and like you said, Winnipeg were iffy. Nashville's been really iffy against Colorado. They haven't been as dominant as I thought. I I really do like the way Vegas is playing. Um and we've got a hot Mark Andre Slurry. I mean I could see them getting to the cup final against the Boston and if I had to pick between those two I'd probably pick a Boston. But I, I like the purity and I like traditions and I like uh opportunities for success and I really to be honest with you, I I know how hard of a grind this stuff is for year in and year out. I'd love to see Pittsburgh Three feet, and not because I like Pittsburgh and they're my favorite team. I'm actually a Toronto fan. If I'm not, if I wasn't working for the Hawks, I'd be cheering for Toronto all the time. But in the playoffs right now, but I'd love to see Crosby and those guys get a three-peat, just because of how hard it is and how hard hockey is. Because it's harder than I think any other sport. The way they bang each other and to win three in a row, uh, play 82 games, end up playing 100 and some games a year—that's a lot—and not be quite the uh, feat, I think. But, but my overall pick i think right now i'd have to lean on the Boston or Vegas.
2: Well i i i tend to agree with the with with your whole assessment right there which is number 1 i think Pittsburgh 3 could actually be good for the sport while i generally don't like um like dynasties um it it could add another buzz to the sport etc and that could be good um, I actually think that it in the east it you know maybe we're not maybe we're selling out Tampa um but yeah. I actually think it comes down to boston and and Pittsburgh, and i gotta go with the pens um in part because uh because i I, I have spent a lot of time in Pittsburgh. Um, lived there for a number of years. So that, that's part of it. And when they're on, there's, they can be absolutely dominating. I, I think right now, um, and again, I'm, I'm going on a limb here, but Matt Murray has shown he knows how to do it. Um, you've got, you've got the core of the Pens playing this year, um, which were, which were not together last year, in the sense of you got Latang out there right now. Um, I think I think they got a, a chance against um, against Boston from my perspective. So I'm I am taking the pens out of the East, out of the West. Um, <laughs> I I love Vegas. I love the way they're playing. I I don't know how they're doing it, quite frankly, besides really good coaching and a system that players have completely bought into. I, I, I do wonder about longevity, but I've been wrong every step of the way with Vegas, every step. And I'm going to go on a limb and maybe it's because when I was a kid, the closest NHL rink to my house was Winnipeg. Um, I do love the way they started the series. I'm hoping that it was a um, a, a temporary thing when they went down to Minnesota with the travel. Um, for whatever reason, I'm going with the Jets and Pens. And, yes, maybe there's a little bit of wishful thinking here, but I'm going with the Pens um, to win it all and a three-peat. And, by the way, I will not be predicting a four-peat if they do three-peat. But <laughs> – Um, but I, I I actually think they got another chance at at doing it and and a serious chance. Um, we'll see, but, uh, that's me going on a limb. Yes. Support doing a little Homer job there. But, uh, uh, in, in, in both cases, um, like I said, I grew up pretty close to Winnipeg and, um, and spent some time in Pittsburgh. So I guess I'm, I'm a Homer on my predictions. And uh, going with the Pens in the end, so
1: yeah, I me. Mean, I think it'd be nice to see Pittsburgh in Vegas just to see if we take on the boys again. It'd be a quite the interesting Stanley
2: Cup final if, if it ever got to that. Well, I yeah, and I can see I, I can see Flower um, really really liking the series from the perspective of you know quite frankly he was dumped and it was absolutely the right decisions decision for the Pens um as a pens fan uh sticking with murray and letting flower go was the right decision but that's huge motivation um and so far um Fleury has been able to step up to any kind of pressure related to that some players kind of you know fall, that gets into their head that that you know desire to prove themselves or whatever but so far flower has done very well and it would not surprise me if Vegas did not make it. And to your point, that from that perspective alone, it'd be a great, uh, a great series and, and, a, and probably a great series for hockey, um, having an expansion team go to the Stanley Cup finals in the first year as well.
1: Yeah, it'd be great. Uh, well, enough of our predictions. Let's get to, uh, to our interview here with somebody who actually did uh, the deed and won the championship with the 18 new Nationals. We'll get to our, uh, Interview here with uh, the uh, Select
2: Academy 18U head coach, Matt. Hey, we're excited to have Matt Plant, head coach of the Select Academy 18U AAA team with us today, national champs. Uh, first off, congrats, Matt.
0: Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's a, it's a real pleasure to, to be on with you guys today.
2: Um, hey, uh, you know, again, congrats for winning nationals. It's a great accomplishment. Um, I've heard – Nationals be described as um, the last sprint of a long marathon. You know, hockey season, um, youth hockey is is a rather long season. Um, you won your semifinal and and championship games in convincing fashion. Uh, really, how how do you how do you do it? How do you pull away at the end from the competition?
0: Well, I I, I think that the the whole season we want to have the same approach, you know, so that when you get to Hopefully, the national stage, you know, nothing's different. We try to, you know, we as a as a coaching staff, we tried to instill the approach in our players that, you know, this isn't any different. Uh, th- this game is no different. You know, what we talked about is I think we had won 43 games going into the to the tournament. You know, it's no different than the 43 games we've already won. I mean, it's, you know, it's the same. You know, we play the same way. You know, guys um, play to your strengths. We play to our strengths as a team. Nothing really changes. So I mean, we really tried to have the same approach. Every single game throughout the entire season, so that it wasn't, you know, we just kind of got into that rhythm and that routine, um, you know. So we didn't. Our approach going into the national tournament wasn't wasn't any different than any other game, you know, in the regular season prior to that. Um, you know, as far as the semifinals and the and the and the finals, you know, like the, the championship game was a lot closer than the score indicated. Um, you know, I thought in the semifinal game, you know, we beat a a good Eastern Mass team seven to two, thought we got off to a quick start, you know, we got two quick goals. Uh, we had a lot of good chances. We could have, uh, we could have had more than that, but so then we're two nothing going into the second. And then in the first four and a half minutes of the second period, we scored three goals. And that was where I felt like we kind of had them a little bit, um, I think we had them down a little bit and we, and we wanted to, to, to attack it. You know, we wanted to jump on them and, and really try to extend on that while we had the momentum. And I thought we did a terrific job in doing that uh, in the second period and getting those three, three goals to extend a two nothing lead to a five nothing lead in the first four and a half minutes of the second. Um, and then we, you know, we had, we had, so, uh, we had, we had a lot of good chances to even build on that um, goalie made some saves. We missed on a couple of opportunities um, you know, and then in the third period, you know, I was really impressed with Eastern Mass and their pushback. They scored a goal to get it to five one forty nine seconds into the third period, uh, and then they made a push. I mean they had us they were coming in the third period. You know, they get another one back, now it's five to two. Um so, you know, the game in the in the third was a lot closer than the score would indicate in terms of how the momentum had shifted in Eastern Mass's favor. I thought we had a couple of big penalty kills after they made it five two. We had a couple of big penalty kills to kind of spell their momentum, uh, and then we found ourselves later in the third. They pulled their goalie, we got an empty netter uh, to get it to six-two, and then I think we were still on the kill, uh, and then we ended up blocking a shot. You know, I think there was under 20 seconds left at that point. We block a shot, we go down and score a two-on-zero goal. Um, you know, with 10 seconds to go in the game or whatever it was to to get it to seven-to-two, but. You know, I, I I thought overall that game we were we were pretty dominant. Um, you know, I I was really impressed with Eastern Mass's pushback in the third period. I thought if they had played three periods the way they played the third, it would have been a tighter hockey game. But you know, fortunately for us, you know, we were able to capitalize early, you know, in the first two periods and and give ourselves a five goal lead going into the third uh, to, to end up finishing them off at seven to two. And then in the championship game, you know, that was really a back and forth hockey game for the first probably 15 minutes or so of the of the first period. Uh, and then I thought we did a really good job of getting some momentum late in the first period of that game. We get a goal late. We got a goal with about just over a minute to play on a nice, that was actually a nice individual effort by Zach Jones to come up through the neutral zone and, and uh, made a nice move on their defender in the offensive zone. He got a shot off, and then Shane Pinto went to the net and buried the rebound. So that obviously was huge for us at that point because, we felt like we started to have the momentum. We started to get good zone time there towards the end of the first period. And to be rewarded for that late in the first to get that first that first goal and put us up one nothing going into the second, you know, that was big for us. And then in the second period, I thought we were real good. I thought we were – that was probably our best period of that game. I thought we did a terrific job in the defensive zone. We spelled their chances. Um, I thought we, we didn't give them much in terms of second and third chance opportunities. They were getting shots through, but – we were doing a great job in that front and eliminating second and third chance opportunities and clearing pucks out and taking sticks. Uh, I thought our forecheck was great. You know, we towards the end of that period, we didn't allow them really to break out. You know, they struggled to get 200 feet on us. And then we ended up getting rewarded off of our forecheck late in, the, in that period. You know, Shane Pinto comes in. We talked about... Four checking pressuring the puck hard being aggressive, but having a good stick. You know, good stick presence. Having sticks in the lanes. Um and Shane Pinto had a great stick. He had a disruptive stick. They tried to go D to D on him. Uh his stick was in a in a good spot to be disruptive. And the puck ends up finding Kyle Haskins and Kyle Haskins buries it to give us a two nothing lead. You know, uh I think there was about three and a half minutes to play at that point in the second period. So now we're going into the third up two nothing. Um, you know, so obviously You know, the momentum that we had, I thought, the way that we were playing in terms of all three zones. I mean, our structure was excellent in all three zones, defensively, our four-check. You know, we we were making life difficult for Cape Cod to really get anything going, to generate any quality chances, and really doing a good job of eliminating any second and third chance opportunities for them. And then we move into the third period up two, you know, and we talked about, you know, just playing the game. Don't play the clock. Play the game. Obviously, we knew we were twenty minutes away from a national championship at that point, but you know we just talked about just play our game, keep doing the things that have got us to this point to to why we're where we are right now, and don't worry about the clock and um you know, we obviously knew Cape Cods a hell of a team, and we knew they were gonna they were gonna push back, and they did you know they get that power play goal um, early on in the third to get it to two to one. Um, you know, and our penalty kill was terrific all week. I think that was the only power play goal we gave up on our penalty kill. I don't know exactly what the numbers were, but, you know, we killed off – I mean, there were games throughout the week we killed off 11, 12 penalties in each game. And, uh, you know, we we did a terrific job. And, they, you know, it was one of those things where they got a, a puck through from the point and it kind of pinballed around and Jack Rathbone was up in the play and the puck kind of found Rathbone right on the doorstep there and he just tapped it in a wide open net. So it was just kind of a fluky bounce. Um, you know, but, you know, that's not to say, hey, we got some bounces too throughout the week too. So uh it was just one of those things. And then their tying goal started out, they did a good job on their breakout coming out of their zone. And then uh probably one of the few times, probably the only time RD had bad gap in the championship game, you know, Jay O'Brien gets the puck. He makes a nice move to the middle of the ice and he gets it on net and he gets it through Sankner's five hole. Probably a goal that Sankner would want to, would have wanted back, Um but you know, J. O'Brien's a hell of a player in his own right, and he made a great play on that and took advantage of of bad gap by R.D. And uh, so then that obviously ties it up at two-two. And then, but right after they tied it up at two-two, I really liked our response. We, I felt like we settled back in and we took the game back over. You know, we we kind of um, we kind of took that momentum uh, momentum back. I thought we had good zone time. For the next several shifts. Um we didn't really give them much in terms of grade A looks. Uh and then eventually we get the we get the go ahead goal. Again, a point shot by us. Uh we had two guys get to the net. Goey makes the initial save, but we had two guys right on that rebound and uh we were able to, to tap that in for, for the three two lead. That was about six thirty three to go in the game. And then um the other thing too that I thought was big After they tied it, there was probably about nine and a half minutes to play when they tied it up. We killed three penalties uh, in that span after they tied it up, and that that was huge for us too, obviously. They got a lethal power play with guys like Jay O'Brien and Aiden McDonough and Jack Rathbone on on their power play, and they can zip the puck around and they can fire the puck and make plays. And We were able to kill those penalties off, and that was huge. And Obviously, getting that, that timely goal with six and a half minutes to go was big for us, and then um, you know the last two goals were empty netters on the penalty kill. You know we get. So I assume pin- it was
2: it was six on four uh, when you scored the four. Two. Both
0: goals, the fourth and fifth goals were both six on fours. We had uh, we killed off a penalty right after they tied it, and then um, right at the end there was two consecutive penalties that they called on us right at the end of the game, and uh, the the first empty netter we got again we got a lucky bounce you know there was a d zone draw in our zone they get it they get it back to their point Pinto's pressuring they go across they try to go d to d with it and I think it hit the ref's skate and uh wound up on Pinto's stick and Pinto was able to skate it all the way down into the empty net and then um the fifth goal was a d zone draw again where they won it back we had good pressure off the draw and Jake Flew was able to kind of Beat the guy- beat the puck to the man they want it back to, and he just kind of swatted it out of the zone and luckily for us, it went the length of the ice into the empty net and that that sealed it at five two
2: so so back to my question though, you guys were able to pull away um had had an excellent game against eastern mass um in terms of kind of controlling it at least from a score perspective and and I yes. get it that they made a run in the third. And uh, again, Cape Cod, you know, not, not criticizing them at all, but any secrets to why, you know, at the end of a, you know, a seven, seven month or eight month season in, you know, 60, 70 games while you guys were pulling away, you know, maybe versus others, any, any thoughts on what enabled your team to, to be in that position?
0: I think, honestly, it's the preparation throughout the entire eight months of the season. I think it's everything that we do in our program. I mean, we're on the ice six days a week, you know, every week for eight months. Um, We have a a terrific strength and conditioning coach, Ben Prentice, who trains a lot of NHL guys, and and he trains our three teams uh, throughout the entire season, Mondays and Wednesdays. And then we do, you know, we do skills every Wednesday um, on top of that. So Wednesdays we'll lift, and then we'll do skills where we work on edge work, stride work and and just skill work really kind of just zone in one practice a week working on specifically skating and skills. And I just think it's, it's, it's kind of a, it's all encompassing because every year, you know, we notice how much better our team gets, you know, when we get into January, February, you know, into the later months of the season, because we're on the ice every day and, and, you know, six days a week at least, and we're, we're training every day. I mean, Mondays we don't practice, but we, we work out with Prentice in the weight room. And I just feel like that's, you know, that's how it is every year for us. You know, like it's it's everything that we do for the entire eight months, you know, getting those reps. We try to have highly competitive practices. We try to do it, things in practice, obviously, that incorporate what we want to do in games, whether it's conceptually or systematically. Um, we try to get a lot of puck touches. We try to do things with a lot of tempo and pace, um, you know, so that and we've got a lot of good players. We've got, a, you know, our teams are usually built with depth. So these guys are pushing each other uh, every day in practice. And, like, we tell our guys, like, we want it to be – we almost want it to be easier on the weekends and games than it is during the week in practice in terms of our preparation, you know, with how hard we work and the pace and tempo uh, of which – as to the way we do things. And I think that, that definitely helps. I mean, over time, I mean, how do you not get better as a team, you know, over the course of eight months when you're you're kind of in that type of an environment? So that's – really it really comes as no surprise – because typically every season we marvel at how much better we are, uh, you know, in the later months of the season in in terms of our transitional play, our puck movement, our puck possession, um, you know, the way we play with pace. You know, and the other, the the biggest thing I think going into nationals is we we talked about our commitment level. Our commitment level has to be uh, ramped up because we talked about, there were certain games, we had some big wins this year, And there were certain games, you know, where, you know, obviously eight month season, you play 60 games, you know, some games you get more excited for than others. Um, And the big games that we had this year, we talked about that commitment and and look at the result when we're committed to a man in the locker room, when we've got all 20 guys committed, you know, playing the way that we need to play as individuals and as a team, you know, look at the results. They were dominating results. And, you know, but, during the regular season, we couldn't just have it for one day. It, you know, some games we'd have it, and then the next game, we didn't have that same level of commitment. You know, and what we talked about going into the tournament was, now we got to have that same level of commitment for six days, not just one. Because if we wanted to accomplish this goal of winning the national championship, you know, we had to have that same level of commitment throughout the entire tournament. And I thought, for the most part, we, uh, we nailed that. We nailed that part of it.
2: Well, uh, I think the results probably speak to that to some degree there so in in you're you're starting to touch on i guess another question that i had which is did you manage the team at all for the tournament did 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 you have a thought process about we want to win the tournament and thus if we want to win the tournament i think i'm going to make a certain set of decisions that might not optimize you know something but it'll it'll optimize us in terms of our goal of winning nationals. Are there any decisions like that, that that you made along the way, or am I overcomplicating it?
0: Not really. I mean, like I said, back to my earlier point, I mean, our approach, we wanted to approach every game the same way. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, we – we talked about managing the game managing emotion was probably the biggest thing that we we talked about going into the national tournament uh that was really the only thing that I would say we put a little bit more of an emphasis on um you know, but we always you know throughout the entire year we talked about how we wanted to manage the puck, how we wanted to be committed, manage not only manage the puck but also manage you know situational management too, like late in the game. You know, if we're up, we're up by a goal. You know, our D, we had very good defensemen that like to get active, involved in, in the offense and in the rush. But in those situations, it's like, you know what, you don't need to be up in the play. You know, we're, we're three minutes left. Let's make good decisions. Um, you know, so that we don't put ourselves in, uh, you know, in a in a in a vulnerable position. Um, so I mean, really nothing different in that regard going into the national tournament, other than, you know, just managing our emotion. You know, the emphasis going into the national tournament was. We want to win the next shift. Focus on winning your next shift. You know, it doesn't matter what happened in the previous shift. If it was a good one, if it was a bad one, you know, you got to focus on winning your next shift. Win all the little battles. So ultimately, if we can win the majority of the little battles, we can end up winning the war. And that was kind of the emphasis, um, you know, that we put on going into the national tournament and kind of going back to certain games throughout the year where we did that, you know, and and reminding these guys, hey, look at the result. You know, when we did those things against very good hockey teams, you know, we were dominant in those situations, you know, so really it wasn't anything different. It was just, you know, you make a choice as a player, you make a choice, how focused, how prepared are you going to be mentally going into this game? That's a choice, you know, making a choice in the game, stopping on a puck, pressuring hard, you know, not peeling off, uh, you know, having good stick presence, making good decisions, you know, putting pucks in the good areas, not hanging on to it too long and allowing their forecheck to contain us. You know, so, you know, really just talking about making that choice. It wasn't anything different throughout the year, but I think the guys probably had a little bit of a heightened sense of urgency with that because it was the national tournament. And I think they're, you know, that's probably why we were committed like we were because it was, because it was for that stage, that national tournament. And, but also knowing, having, looking back on those examples, having the confidence that, yeah, we can do this. We just gotta, we just gotta do it. You know what I mean? We've got to make that choice. And, and we can do this.
1: Hey, uh, Dan, Bernie here, and congrats on uh, on winning Nationals. But uh, you guys started out, obviously, with a tough 3-2 shootout loss to Dallas. Yeah. I that possible to maybe motivate the guys, or is there a mindset that takes on with the team after, you know, it's a tough loss and you have to go forward? Do, you, do they do anything to the team?
0: Honestly, Bernie, I think, like, our goal, we talked about it last year. So I had the 16s. A year ago, a lot. I had 16 or 17 of these 2000s on our U18 team this year that played for me on their 16 team last year, and we lost a tough game to CompuWare last year. We were up 5-3 to CompuWare and they ended up coming back and they beat us 6-5 and they advanced because last year there was no quarterfinal. There was just you win the bracket, you move on to the semis, and then you play in the championship. And so we ended up going two and one at the 16 level with this group, with the majority of this group last year, and the way we lost that game. Um, you know, was was poor decisions, poor management. You know, we gave up a couple of shorthanded goals in that game, which we would have loved to have back. Uh, but we felt that was a game we should have won. We didn't. is a good team. We opened the door for them, and 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 then Compuware ends on ends up going on to win the national championship at the 16U level last year. So what we talked about after last season with the majority of these guys, and we had a couple of nice new pieces come in to complement the core group that was moving up to the 18s from a year ago. Our goal was to win the national ta- championship this year. We felt we had the the, the guys in the room uh, to do it, and and uh, so we felt, you know, that was always a goal of ours was to to put ourselves in a position to get to the national tournament to give ourselves a chance to win. I felt like the Dallas game, um, you know, we had a long layoff, so we didn't. We, we won our USPHL championship on February 25th, and then the guys went on a three week break. Uh, some guys went and skated with some junior teams just to kind of try to firm up their plans for next year. But we didn't practice as a group for probably about three and a half weeks. And then we came back on March 25th, and we started practice on the 26th. So we got about eight or nine days of practice in. We did we did play an exhibition game, ironically, against PAL, who was also in our bracket. So we did get an exhibition game in against PAL um, on, on uh, March 31st um just to try to get you know a, a game under you know just get that game feel back into into the group there because it'd been so long but you know I give Dallas a lot of credit they they were everything as advertised they played hard they played heavy um they made life difficult for us um I don't think I think that game was just a situation where we we were coming off a long off. our timing wasn't great I I thought the issue that we had against Dallas was our transitional play. We hung on to the puck way too long, you know, especially with our D cuz we talked about with our D, you know, getting the puck and moving it north quick, putting pucks in the good areas. I thought we struggled against Dallas in that game to do that. They did a great job on their check. again. They were hard and heavy. They were very disruptive. Um, you know, they were opportunistic on their chances. You know, we were out shooting them, they go up 1 nothing, we're out shooting them 6 nothing at that point. You know, and they do a great job we kind of went into a trap situation because they got the puck behind their net and uh, they, they, they had a set breakout against our trap and they executed it to perfection. And our, our weak side D was late picking up the cross-ice pass and they go down and they make a play on the back door to put them up one nothing And then, you know, in the second period we got two goals back, so we take the lead 2-1 to one, and then they got a goal. I think they got a goal, they got a shorthanded goal. We had a power play, we mismanaged the puck. Again, probably... You know, due to timing purposes and 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 all that, um, we kind of forced the puck high in the zone. That was that option wasn't there. They did a good job at breaking it out, transitioning, going down and tying it up. And then in the third period of that game, I thought, you know, we had probably the better of the play. Uh, we had a couple of bounces that didn't go our way. And then in the, in the shootout, we score our first two shooters. They score their first three. You know, and the, and then we end up losing that game in the shootout. But, you know, really that game if anything, it kind of put into perspective the rest of the tournament that every game from that point on was an elimination game. But I mean, our approach wasn't any different. I mean, our approach was to go in there. We wanted to go six and out. I mean, that was our approach. Like we, it just didn't work out. We just didn't get the balances. Like I said, Dallas did a great job against us. They countered us very well. And I thought our timing was, was not, was not where it needed to be because probably because of that layoff. And you know, we weren't as good as we needed to be in our transitional play, and, and Dallas, uh, you know, was really did a good job of uh, kind of taking advantage of that.
1: And then, uh, obviously, with your success this year and then the uh, the results of your title, has that changed anything as far as uh, the kids here through it? Maybe there's more interest in the program? Is that even on a personal level, any kind of, like, uh, possible coaching opportunities for you?
0: Well, I haven't... I haven't had any anything come my way yet in terms of my own personal uh coaching opportunities but the biggest thing I've probably noticed is within our program with our younger kids. You know, with our younger kids on the 15 team and the U16 team, um you know, we've we we've got a couple of kids that were contemplating leaving their senior year to go play junior hockey that are now returning. So I think that is probably At this point, that's probably the biggest significance of winning the national championship that I've noticed is from within our own program, the the elite level younger kids that we have in our program, now they want to come back. You know, now they want to finish their senior year. And obviously, you know, they have hopes of trying to make another run at it next year as seniors. Um, You know, the recruiting aspect of it, I'm sure it's definitely going to help. But, you know, we feel like we've, with with, with our program has to offer in terms of the kind of the best of both worlds with the prep school experience and the full season uh tier one triple A schedule and playing some of the best teams in the country and, and some of the events that we participate in throughout the season, you know, we feel we've got a, a, a pretty good product to offer. And uh especially from the development piece. So, you know, I think we've always attracted, you know, really good players. Um and hopefully, yeah, I mean hopefully you'd like to think that this will certainly help in the future, uh, continuing to attract you know, elite level players and 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 wanting to come here, um, but uh, yeah, the biggest thing I would say at this point is definitely the younger kids in our within our program right now that, you know, they want to make the commitment to come back in their senior year and 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 try to do it again, which is uh, obviously which is great.
1: Then uh, one last question we always ask our guests is with the hockey team playing background and things like that. Uh, Any coaches that you remember that had a great impact on you that you did some things with uh, to to teach the kids now and that uh, maybe you like to obviously use as uh, some of your ammo?
0: Yeah, I mean, one coach in particular that it was actually a football coach that I had, uh, Kevin Earl. He was uh, just the passion in which he came to work every day with, the passion for the sport, and the passion for the guys, you know, the guys that he was working with uh, and the intensity in which he, he displayed, I mean, there was no off days. And you know what? That resonated with the kids. That resonated with us as players. Like, we we were excited to come to work every day and play for that guy. You know, and then on the weekends, you know, he took he took over um, the football program my senior year, and we hadn't had a lot of success prior to that for, for our varsity football team. I think my junior year we won one game. And then we had a good core returning that was in that senior class with me um, but he he just found a way to just elevate everyone, you know, like I said, the passion in which he came to work with every day and and our preparation and the intensity and he got guys fired up and, and ready to play, you know whether it was prac- whether it was a Monday practice or obviously you know Saturday afternoon you know on uh in a game um and that's the biggest thing that i I'll always remember coach Earl because of just because of his approach and the way he treated the players and, and, um, you know, you'd go through a wall for that guy. I mean, and that's just, and that's kind of how I want, you know, I care about these kids. You know, I, tell, I I love these kids, you know, we're, we're grinding eight months, you know, we're a family. I mean, you know, we're with each other through the through the highs and the lows of an eight month season. And there's plenty of peaks and valleys that you go through and, this group is no different uh, than any other team. I mean, we went to, you know, we didn't even make our uh, our regional tournament. We got eliminated in our state playoff. I mean, the New England district this year, the, there was four teams in the New England district that were in the top eight in the country. You know, and we had a tough weekend, the first weekend of November. We don't even make the regional tournament. Um, you know, so now we have to kind of shift gears and, okay, the automatic bid's not on the table anymore. Now we got to, we gotta, you know, try to go go for that large one of those at large bids, um, and then we had a a period in January where we we had our struggles. I thought we were distracted coming back from the Christmas break. I thought we were distracted as a team. I thought we had a nice little roll going into the break. After losing in the state playoff, I think we won. I think we were like seven seven or eight zero oh and one going into the Christmas break. So we kind of got that momentum back, and then I thought after the christmas break we came back a little bit distracted whether guys were kind of worried about what they're going to be doing for next year and and uh you know we kind of went through some bumps in the road in january several of them actually i thought we underachieved uh in certain games in that month and then but we responded you know towards the end of the month we kind of reeled it back in and and we went on a run there uh we won 10 games straight after we lost the buffalo two to one the end of january we bounced back the next day beat them seven to one and then from that point on we were 10 and 0 going into the national tournament i think we outscored our opponents something like 70 to nine so we were we were playing our best hockey right at the right time and then obviously the march break stalled us a little bit but we were able to get back to that in the national tournament fairly quickly uh uh, to, to kind of put ourselves in a position to win it so Um, but that, you know, that's the biggest thing is that I would take away from Coach Earl is just, you know, making it exciting, making it a fun environment for these kids to come and work every day, you know, get them to want to work, you know, get better, you know, because our goal for these kids is the same. We want them to move on and play at the next level. I mean, that's our goal as coaches. Like that's, you know, that's what we want, you know, but the kids got to put the work in to do it. They've got every, every opportunity and every resource at South Kent school to do it. Um, you know and that's you just want to make it a fun hard working environment and and uh you know a, a very positive one at that and and I think we were able to I think we've been able to do that um every year at South Kent
2: well and and over time I think I I I'd like to think the results kind of then go to to illustrate that now you can't I don't think you can say a national championship is the only way you measure that but Periodically, it, it can be it, it can be a measurement. Um, you can have great teams that that you know run run into the wrong team at the wrong time, and and, and you have no chance. As you said, you guys didn't even make the New England regional, Um
0: yeah.
2: And and your national, you know, your national champs, and didn't make <laughs> the New England regional. So it can happen to anyone. But obviously, you guys put it together when it counted, uh, and I think. I think there's a lot of life lessons for kids, whether they go on and become great hockey players or, you know, they they turn to something else in life.
0: Yeah, um, I, I agree.
2: I, I think the experience, um, you know, is a huge is a huge uh, boost in life, if you will, um, a confidence builder, et cetera. So, Matt, hey, um, appreciate the time today. Uh, it was good talking to you. And it it seemed very appropriate given, um, again, the fact that you guys uh, came out national champs for 2018.
0: Yeah, no, thank you. And, um, you know, like you said, the life lesson, like we told our guys after the tournament, when when you want something bad enough and you're committed to it, you know, you can accomplish anything. And that's in in hockey, that's in life. And that's, I think, hopefully these guys kind of, you know, obviously it's great to win it, but, you know, to take that away, because hockey's going to end at some point, so for hopefully these kids to take that away from this experience, you know, you know, you can do anything. You know, if you're committed to it and you want it bad enough, you know, you can accomplish anything you want to accomplish, so, you know, for sure. So.
2: Yeah, and sport's a great way to, to really help that at home for kids.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. It that, it, it's part it. of that
2: whole uh, maturation process for them. Um, probably unlike anything else that that our young kids can be involved in today is, is that whole process of playing elite level sports and the commitment, um, the learning how to accept defeat and, and how to, how to win gracefully. Um, right, right,
0: right. And, and, stuff and like respond so, and, and respond in adverse situations for sure. 100%. So
2: Matt, again, um, we appreciate the uh, time today. Um, great talking to you. Best of luck to both you personally and your kids after the national championship.
0: Thanks so much yeah, thank guys. You. I really appreciate right. the time and, and thanks again.
1: Again, I want to thank Matt Flint and congratulate him on his national championship along with all the other winners that we've mentioned earlier. But uh great thank you for you from Matt and what it takes to get there and uh all struggles and all the things they go through throughout a the season, these young youth teams, uh compared to some of the pro teams and the vigorousness they have to do. So uh Great to hear from him, but uh, we've actually got a question from my hockey mailbag, and it comes from Daryl from Connecticut. He asks, "If you can make one change to the USA Hockey National Championships, what would it be?" And will deal.
2: You know, that's a that's a dangerous question. Um, I'm not sure that I, I I should jump in on this, um, but I will. Um, it was asked, kind of feel that obligation. My one change, if if I had to pick one. I'd like to see them restructure the tier two boys, um, national championships. Um, I, I think having a tier one and a tier two is great. I'm not a fan of a, of a 3A, a 2A and a 1A, um, championship at the tier two level. I think they should, um, consolidate the boys tier two, um, probably, to a 24-team national championship, a 24-team national you know championship tournament, where um, one of the concerns, and this is taking into the concerns that led to the to, to the whole scenario as it is right now, the with the three different divisions and the and the 40 teams or so that go to the nationals at tier two, is um you don't have to do strictly uh USA hockey district qualifiers you can have automatically the Alaska qualifier they don't have to go through a pacific regional tournament and make two two different trips within a month of each other to the continental 48 states to end up um going to nationals in some of the western states maybe there's a sub district um, champion that qualifies and then something along the lines of maybe the top eight at large teams should go. Um, they have this random thing where they take a second place finisher from a state. It, it seems largely random and I'd rather see them actually use the at large um, bid thing that they use with tier one. Um, and apply that to tier two, take something like 16 district or sub-district, um, champions, take another maybe eight teams, form a 24 team tournament and have one tier two national champion. Uh, it's, you know, Daryl asked and, um, it's just a thought that's come to me. Um, I'm sure other people feel differently. It's a class basketball, class football question as well. I'm kind of more old school on that. Yeah, sounds good. I I like the idea. So, um, again, uh, USA Hockey does a great job. Um, This is not me trying to to bash them in any way, shape, or form. It's me saying, hey, if I could make one change, um, what would I do? And it's a thought that comes to my mind. Sounds good. Yeah. Hey, um, moving on. It's our ep- it's episode fifteen, our last of the season. Um, I know. I want to appreciate all the fans out there, all the 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 input, the encouragement. Um, and Bernie, I mean, any any final thoughts from you before we go?
1: No, just a just a huge thanks, and look forward to to many more. And uh, and hopefully everybody has a nice safe summer and ready for the season next year.
2: Yep, um, I, I want to. Uh, echo that which is uh uh enjoy the summer um you know the off season in hockey isn't as long as it is in some sports um i definitely encourage you to get out and you know throw a lacrosse ball or a baseball or kick a soccer ball or do whatever it takes um enjoy the off season and uh we hope to see you back in the fall